0: Welcome back welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the sunday wire i'm your host patrick henningson we're streaming out live on the alternate current radio network and also at 21st century Wire.com. thank you for rejoining us and as mentioned before the break we have a very special guest on the line uh he's joining us actually in a live link uh from australia right now he is the editor-in-chief of consortium news fantastic news and analysis website uh, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with uh, we've got him on the line right now joe Loria is joining us uh from sydney australia hello joe hello patrick
1: thank you for having me on it's good to talk to you again
0: Great to, great to be with you, Joe. And, uh, in light of, of what's happened this week, uh, and you can probably, you know, share the feeling of a lot of people as people were starting to sort of get their head around the extradition proceedings of Julian Assange, uh, this, wrench this major spanner gets thrown into the works by the united states department of justice 17 indictments additional indictments handed down to julian assange uh uh, 10 years per indictment potentially a total of 175 years or something like this uh for all 18 counts and the media in america for the most part um, initially was very quiet uh, now we're starting to see media pundits kind of waking up uh, to the fact, uh, journalists waking up to the fact that uh, this might be a very dangerous precedent. Uh, so let's, let's get into some of the important aspects of this. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. I just want to ask you, first of all, Joe, how is the reception for Julian Assange down in his home country right now?
1: Uh, well, frankly, he's not a big issue here. At least he hasn't been for many years. But there have been, uh, in accord with the rest of this sea change, I have to call it a sea change that we have seen in the media and among some politicians, when uh, the Trump administration has crossed this red line, everyone was, of course, knew that there would be a second and superseding indictment. That first indictment was only for five years maximum, so we knew it would have to be the Espionage Act. And it has caused incredible reaction across the world but down here in Australia, we've had Bob Carr, who was a former foreign minister, come out strongly in defense of Assange, which is something they've not mentioned Assange at all, any politician, in the last years, from what I understand. And there's also a senator, his name is escaping me right now, but he also came out, he was actually serving, uh, who has actual political power, who's also come out. It's time to defend Julian Assange against this, because... Going under the Espionage Act is something that no administration has ever done before. It's a 1917 act. There have been uh, publishers who were prosecuted under uh, different sections of the act for impeding the draft, the military draft, during the First World War. But for actually obtaining or receiving and then disseminating classified information, no publisher or journalist has ever been charged under the Espionage Act. For that, it's on the books. It's legal. They can do it. They got close in the Nixon administration. They put actually two New York Times uh, reporters were facing a grand jury for indictment, but that was pulled back at the last minute because uh, Dan Ellsberg's case fell apart when it was, amongst other things, it was discovered that his psychiatrist's office had been wiretapped and had been broken into. And the two New York Times reporters in the Boston grand jury asked the government whether they too had been wiretapped, and shortly after that, that case was dropped. So it has never happened before. So the fact that it has happened, that they're actually criminalizing journalism, and as I said, it's on the books, but it is a terrible part of that act. The entire espionage act has to be looked at, but particularly that section E, which says that that anyone who who possesses classified information and is not authorized to do that, and anyone who disseminates that is liable for prosecution. Patrick, that could be anyone. Anyone who's retweeted, or post it on Facebook or sent an email to a with an attached WikiLeaks document that is still classified according to the government. Even if it's out in the public domain, they've never declassified a lot of this material. So we're all guilty of this under the Espionage Act. That's how so absurd that that part, Section E of the Espionage Act is. And the fact that a government actually has done this is uh, a shocking but they had not really no other – what else were they going to do? We knew there'd be a second indictment, as I said. So the only choice they had was to go after him under the Espionage Act, and they've done that. But it has caused shockwaves across the world, including Rachel Maddow coming out in his defense. That's how extraordinary this response has been. And I have to tell you, it's given me a very uh, strong feeling of optimism that, that he, A, may not be extradited. That will make it a lot harder for the extradition from either Britain or Sweden after this indictment, and it's bringing a public pressure on the United States government, uh, and that means a lot, even to prosecutors, to courts, to judges, if the media continues to line up against, uh, in favor of Assange and against this outrageous indictment. Of course, they've done it for their own self-interest because their butts are on the line now. All journalists do what Assange did. If you read the indictment carefully, it's ex- describing journalism, investigative journalism, encouraging sources to give information, and trying to hide the identity of your source. That's what's done all the time, and that's what's described here in exact words by this indictment
0: so so is is the sleight of hand here and, and uh, i i picked up on some of the language uh that was sort of peppered throughout this uh, there's a lot of inflated rhetoric uh in here and it, uh, john Demers even made this comment uh when it was when it was released uh he said something like "Julian Sange is not a journalist let me make that clear and then you see language in here about uh taking quotes from things that wikileaks has said in the past like we are the intelligence agency of the people right. so so al- although there to be invoking section e the espionage act they've still had to go through the the kind of uh, th- theatrics if you will of changing and trying to reframe away from journalism even though exactly the activities described as you mentioned are journalistic activities they still had to go that extra mile to sort of reframe this as as, as julian Assange not being a journalist and wikileaks not being a publisher Did, do you see it in that way
1: Absolutely see it that way. First of all we cannot have the government defining who was the journalist and who is it. Second of all a good part of this indictment is what uh, could be called window dressing or public relations fluff to try to get the public behind this controversial indictment. And what do I mean specifically? Uh, you mentioned uh, John Demers, he's of course the head of the DOJ's uh, National Security Division. He announced the indictment and told reporters in a briefing uh, that he loves journalists and he's not a journalist. Why? Because journalists would not purposely publish the names of individuals he or she knew to be confidential human sources in a war zone, exposing them to the gravest dangers. That's a quote from Demers. Now, let's just look at that for a moment because, first of all, exposing the name of informants or sources is not a crime. There's no statute that's referred to in this indictment that, that says that what he did there was a crime. He's not charged with that. There is a crime, of course, to reveal the name of an of an agent, a CIA agent or uh, any undercover agent. We remember from the Valerie Plam case when the uh, Cheney uh, – I was going to say the Cheney White House because that's what it was really. Cheney decided he was going to get back at Plam's, uh husband because he'd written this piece uh, in the New York Times saying that the story of the yellow cake uranium from Niger was all a bunch of lies that Iraq was not pursuing a nuclear bomb. And that hurt the, the, the uh, argument to invade Iraq, so they went after, um, what was his last name, Joe, I can't remember right now, but his wife, Valerie Plam, Uh, And they outed her. That's a crime. But what Assange did here was not a crime. So why is there so much about this aspect of the case in this indictment? Because, as I said, they're trying to get public opinion on their side. And they're trying to paint him as a really awful human being. Now, that's a very controversial thing he did. But one has to look in the State Department cables, the so-called cable gate. Uh, two journalists from The Guardian, Luke Harding and David Lee, wrote a book. And a chapter title of that book, for some reason that I don't know, contains the password to the unredacted files of CableGate that Weakleaks itself had not yet published. Not fully, anyway. And when Assange saw that, and this is my information, uh, when Assange saw that, he knew that uh, that password could only be accessed by uh intelligence agency. In other words, if you use the password, you're going to get the a, an encrypted file. You'd have to be an intelligence agency to decrypt it to see what was going on. And if they did that, not just American or Western, but any intelligence agency that could do that would then find out the names of these informants and could go after these people. So the decision was made after discussion in the inner circles of WikiLeaks to publish the unredacted form with the names immediately so that those people could be alerted by seeing their names there and try to get to safety. It was risky, but Assange apparently felt it was a better move to put their names out there to give them a chance to get away than to allow this password to be used by intelligence agencies to secretly find out, who these people were, and then without any alert, uh, any notice to those people could be gone after. So that is a story that's important that needs to be told. But th- the idea that the government is focusing so much on this uh, this issue of the c- human sources is purely, as I say, a way to paint this guy as a criminal of some sort, even though there's no crime associated with that. So it's a really important point in this indictment. The uh, actual accounts that he has been sections G, section B, D, E, and G of the uh, Espionage Act are simply about conspiracy to receive national defense information, obtaining national defense information, attempting to get that information and disclosing it. And, of course, the conspiracy to commit computer intrusion is still in there. That was the first one. And the indictment says um, very clearly, and I could quote from it, that it describes, as I said before, describes an act of journalism. It says here that uh, Manning – it says, in fact, that they never succeeded. You see, what we have to understand is what Assange helped and uh, what they allege Assange helped Chelsea Manning to do. Chelsea Manning, of course, being the Army intelligence analyst who, as an act of conscience, thought the American people and the world should know about what the U.S. was doing in Afghanistan and Iraq and needed to make this his classic whistleblower. This was the source for for WikiLeaks. And what Manning was trying to do was get into some of these materials without using her own login name and password. She had legal access to this material. She had top secret clearance. It says it in the indictment. It says clearly that she, quote, had access to the computers in connection with her duties as an intelligence analyst. So, therefore, there's no breaking in to, uh, there, she, to steal anything. She had access to it, What she could not do and which she served seven years in prison for was give that to an unauthorized person or persons, namely WikiLeaks. That technically, of course, was a crime, and she paid her price already, uh, seven years, Obama commuted a sentence. What they're alleging Assange did was to help her to get into what she had legal access to under a different administrative name, username and password, so that her identity could be hidden. How do we know that? Because the indictment says, first of all, they failed to do that. And the indictment says, quote, had Manning retrieved the full password and had Assange Manning successfully cracked it, Manning may have been able to log on to computers under a username that did not belong to her. Such a measure would have made it more difficult for investigators to identify Manning as the source of disclosures of classified information. That was the whole point. Bob Perry, who founded Consortium News, wrote a piece in December 2010 about Assange, because that's when it was a month before, November 2010, that we learned the Obama administration had begun an investigation, a criminal investigation of Assange, which they never followed through on. Why? Because they knew they would be crossing this line that the Trump administration crossed on Thursday, which was to use the Espionage Act to indict a journalist. And what Bob Perry wrote was that he himself – and he was one of the premier investigative journalists of his era. He broke most of the major Iran-Contra stories, including revealing the name of Oliver North, working in the basement of the White House, uh, selling arms to Iran to get money to fund the Contras. So Bob Perry wrote that he encouraged his sources to give him information, even to break the law in order to expose a larger crime. And this is what Manning did. Yes, she broke the law, not by getting access to the material, but by giving it to WikiLeaks. Why? Because she wanted to expose larger crimes, such as the collateral murder video that shows a prima facie evidence of U.S. war crimes, shooting down of innocent civilians in the streets of Baghdad. So this is standard investigative journalism practice to uh, encourage sources to give more, to help them hide their identity. And even to encourage them to break the laws, Bob Perry said. So, this is what he's being indicted for. And this is why this is so outrageous and why we see the likes of the New York Times in their editorial, The Guardian, uh, Rachel Maddow, people who have despised Meshagessen in The New Yorker, people who've despised Assange. And they all write a caveat in there, Patrick, that they don't like the guy. He's a creep and all that. You know, that's irrelevant what kind of a person he is. He might be a creep. The point is, he can't be indicted for doing journalism. And they all recognize that they could be next in line, either from this administration or a second Trump term where he doesn't have to worry about re-election if he wins, or a future president down the line could use this precedent of this indictment to go after the New York Times, CNN, uh, because especially if they get a conviction on, on him, if he gets extradited. So this is why they are turning. Now, they realize Trump went too far, and this could come back to really bite uh, the US government and their case, because will Britain be known as a government, this British government, this foreign, this home secretary, will he want to be known as the guy who turned over a journalist to the US for a purely political prosecution for publishing and for doing journalistic work? Uh, that won't go down very well in Britain, nor for Sweden, the Swedish government. It would have been a lot easier to extradite him on that f- uh, five-year count of simply computer intrusion, which is what I was just describing. He was just trying to hide his identity. But five years was not enough for the U.S. They want to put Mr. away forever. And they had to come up with this superseding indictment. Now, the, the law in the treaty between the U.S. and Britain says that before Britain can extradite anyone to the U.S., that they have to know what the charges are going to be. That they cannot send him there from a small charge, and then when he gets there, he gets hit with more charges. Mm-hmm. So that's why the U.S. had to tell them by June 18th. That was the deadline. They did it earlier. Uh, There was also this rule of specialty that Francis Borle, an international lawyer at the University of Illinois, has talked about, which is in the treaty, that would have allowed the U.S. to ask Britain to waive that requirement that all the charges had to be lay out, laid out before a decision is made on whether to extradite. There is an uh, an out there, a loophole, where they could have asked them to waive that. Now, I have no idea what happened, but it could be that the U.S. already asked Britain, and they said no. I mean, and that's why they came out with the indictment. Now, it doesn't make sense why they came out with it so soon before the – um deadline of June 18th and and without trying to use this loophole to get away with this so that they could add these charges once he was on U.S. soil because I think this makes it harder to extradite and a big reason that is because of the public opinion that is now turning in Assange's favor because they went too far with this indictment and that public opinion and media uh, views are going to have an influence I think on British and Swedish authorities wherever he winds up and possibly on the U.S. prosecutor's office as well, because the public will now understand what's really been at stake all along, what we who've been defenders of Assange have been saying all along. Now we've got people like Rachel Maddow jumping on our bandwagon. Of course, they'd kick us off as being insignificant. Now they're going to, but who cares? The point is, it's really significant that somebody uh, like Rachel Maddow, who's really like the propagandist in chief of the Democratic Party, is now... The, backing Assange and saying he's a horrible guy but we can't let this happen. This is an extraordinary change in the whole story and one that the American government may rue doing, but they felt they had to do it under this uh, act in order to get him in jail forever. But of course, for what? For publishing information that reveals their corruption and their crimes. That's why they're going after a journalist and that's not a democratic system. Any pretense of democracy that's been eroded over the years now has been further eroded. This pretentiousness of democracy is now is even clearer that it is that we have lost and are losing more of the fundamental freedoms we used to take for granted or believed Exist anyway
0: yeah and i 'm going to say that you 're absolutely correct uh, with regards to compromising uh, sources and methods or agents in the field, as it were. The government had ample opportunity to do that uh, in two thousand and ten uh, with the trial. Uh, and after 2010 with the trial of, of then Bradley Manning, now Chelsea Manning, and they did not produce any, any proof, uh, that any agents were put in danger. All they did was sort of spin up theoretical possibility scenarios about what could happen if journalists, uh, did this and how irresponsible it was. But, uh, it, none of it could sort of stand, uh, in a court of law. It, the, the, the other part, Joe, that's really important I want to get your comment on. Is this this? He's been charged with four counts of of violating seven nine three C, which basically targets somebody who's obtained national defense uh, documents. Uh, and who are and so they're trying to get them for soliciting leaks so they're criminalizing this is a big feature in this indictment uh criminalizing the solicitation of they're saying that wikileaks isn't a journalistic outlet because they're so, they're openly soliciting for people to leak to them and the new york times doesn't do that publicly etc um so th- this is a, another bit of sleight of hand i think in here, but if if this if this is the new language of government, um, then that would create a huge chilling effect overall across all media outlets. If even soliciting uh, a leak or or making it known that you're accepting leaks is somehow falling foul of, of the Espionage Act, what are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, it shows complete ignorance of this uh, Department of Justice about what journalism really is, or they're just willfully ignorant. <clears throat> Excuse me. They don't want to uh, – uh, they have to make some kind of construct here to get them. But as I said, uh, encouraging sources to give information. I mean I've done it. I, I can't think of a case where I got somebody to give me classified information, confidential information, stuff like that. But you do that all the time. Uh First of all, they come forward to you, usually a source, so you can go to them and you try to get them to give you information and more information. And you have to protect them, obviously. If you've convinced them to give you something, you have a damn strong necessity to protect their identity because you're responsible for this. And that's all that Assange did. They don't know what they're talking about when they're saying that that's not journalism and that they're trying to criminalize the solicitation of information, classified or otherwise. That is part and parcel of what a reporter does every day. Um, they, they they must know that. Uh, and, and to do that is… Um, it's, it's you know, that's even, uh, look, I'm not even sure that that's in the Espionage Act. Obta- uh, receiving classified information without being authorized to do it is a crime, just receipt of it. And Publishing it is a crime. So they have it on the books, like I've said. It's not that they're not, they don't have the statutes to go by here. It's just that no administration tried to do it except Nixon and then he backed away and the Obama administration looked into it and they backed away because they, in that case, they realized that they would really run up against the spirit of the First Amendment, if not the letter of it. This part of the act has to be challenged and I hope that it is in court at some point by the ACLU or someone else who will come forward and put a lawsuit in there to show to try to show that this criminalization of journalism is against the first amendment is hence unconstitutional and it needs to go all the way through the courts maybe the supreme court i don't have a lot of confidence in this supreme court but it needs to be challenged and hopefully struck out congress can do it before it's even challenged, but I don't see them doing it either. They have to get this part of the act out of there that anybody who receives classified information and publishes it is breaking the law. That has to be protected. It's not right now. You know, I was just finding out that the Espionage Act is based on the 1911 uh, Defense Secrets Act in the U.S. It's 1917 Espionage Act replaced that. And that's on the eighteen eighty-nine British Official Secrets Act. So we don't have an Official Secrets Act, but our Espionage Act is based on that. It's derived from the British Official Secrets Act. What is what the Pentagon Papers case determined was that the government cannot tell a newspaper with an injunction not to publish something. That is was struck down as unconstitutional. And that, of course, was the suit that the New York Times brought to uh, uh, against the government when the government uh, of Nixon's Justice Department sent an injunction to the Times and the Post and other newspapers saying you cannot publish depending on papers. And the government, uh, the Supreme Court said, no, that is illegal, that is unconstitutional because that's prior restraint. You cannot tell the newspaper, you can't publish this. However, the majority opinion in the Pentagon on papers case said that after publication, a public, a newspaper could be liable. A journalist could be liable for prosecution because of the Espionage Act, which is on the books. As you cannot obtain this, you cannot publish it. So you can't stop beforehand, but you can you can prosecute them afterward. And that's what Nixon tried to do. That's what the Obama administration looked into doing, and this is what the Trump administration has actually done. No one had the guts to go over that line. Again, they had the legal right to do it, but politically it's a disaster to do this, and the reaction to it is extraordinary, Patrick. I mean, Rachel Maddow is supporting Julian Assange because she knows that this is going to criminalize journalists. Not that she does a hell of a lot of journalism, just a lot of frothing at the mouth, in my view, but the, the, the consequences for the press have become clear. The New York Times, in an editorial uh. A couple of a day after the indictments called it uh, that says Julian Assange's indictment aims at the heart of the First Amendment, and it does, um, but it's still on the books. It needs to be challenged and removed because it aims at the heart of the First Amendment, and uh, while they say again that he's some horrible person, he's not a conventional journalist, uh, what he did was no different than what the New York Times said. This is what the New York Times is saying. What he did is what we do, and if you can in- indict him – for this, then you can indict us, and we're not going to stand for this. So I think this, we're seeing this tremendous backlash against this indictment, and I find that very encouraging and even somewhat surprising that it happened so quickly. They get it. They get it, and that's really important.
0: Yeah, that's very, very encouraging. A lot of reasons to, to be positive about it. So just in summation, I think what we're seeing here is to, to mitigate that going over the line that this administration has, has done here. They've gone for broke basically and done what previous administrations could or wouldn't do. But to do that, they've had to sort of take, take it out of the journalism uh, publishing theater and stick it all into a national security uh conversation uh, an espionage conversation and i think this is why the the language is is the way it is in these indictments it's clearly trying to paint new reality basically erase history and start from year zero with a this is this is what journalism really is uh this is kind of a year zero document as it were these 17 indictments and so this is the sort of thing joe that you think if 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 it's challenged in the higher courts, this this could be knocked down uh, just just based on the fact that um, it, it it is a bit specious. Um, the way this has been constructed. Um, what, are your, what are your final thoughts on well, the
1: prospects? Well, I, I, I think that it should be knocked down, but I'm not confident that it would because of the nature of the Supreme Court, the very right-wing court that we've got. And they are going to um, They're going to come down usually on the side of the state, of the military, etc. Uh, but we would hope that it would be challenged. We hope that he doesn't get extradited, number one. And that if he does, this is challenged in court. And number two, Three is the possibility of Julian notification, but if he gets a jury, and that's unlikely, but if he did, the jury might say, yes, he broke this law, but we think this law is, is wrong, and therefore, we're going to let him go. He's not guilty. That's what happened in the famous uh, Joseph Peter Zenga case in a 1635 in Colonial New York when a publisher wrote an article uh, uh, criticizing the British Colonial governor said that he fixed elections. He was corrupt, and the, back then the libel law was that if you just criticize the government, that's you've broken the law. It doesn't matter whether it's true or not. So the government, the, 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 the defense was able to prove it was true, and the jury said, "Well, he's not guilty, even though he broke the law." That would be a great outcome as well, uh, in addition to a possible challenge legally in in the courts. But I'm hoping again that he's not extradited now because it's clear what Britain is sending this man to, what kind of an indictment this is, and that would have ramifications for the British government, especially one that's the tottering now. It's going to get a new prime minister in a few days, and um, they might just… Marshed their hands and sent him to Sweden, and I don't know if the Swedes would do it either. It's changed everything, this indictment. And it's changed the whole tenor of this case. And it's been, I think, very positive uh, for Assange. And there's a real optimism that I think we should allow ourselves to feel because of the reactions that we've seen from a press that had written him off. As as, uh, a Russian agent, etc., after the 2016 election, they're putting that aside right now because their own self-interest is at stake, and that's uh, something we have to hope continues and that has an influence to get us on be free one day.
0: So if you want uh, to see some good analysis on this, uh, I encourage people to go to uh, consortium news.com. Uh, we'll also be publishing uh, some articles uh, at 21st stcenturywirecom as well. And also to just keep an eye on the WikiLeaks uh, Twitter feed and also defend WikiLeaks. There's a link to it on the show page. Uh, you'll get updates there as well. But uh, I just want to say thank you very much, Joe uh, for joining us uh, and from Australia. And also for your uh, absolute dedication and hard work on keeping people informed about what's going on with this this story.
1: Thank you, Patrick.
0: Thank you. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That's Joe Loria, editor in chief of Consortium News. That is the sort of update at the moment uh, with regards to the Assange indictments. But we'll have more for you uh, during the week. We're going to take a short uh, station break here at the Alternate Current Radio Network, and we'll be right back after these messages. Stay right there. Five points.